Today on Ag News Daily. That we're not getting those uh, export sales come across the morning wire, especially on soybeans. We've gotten a few on corn, uh, but the soybean sales have dried up a bit as we've pushed higher in price. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Happy Hashtag Market Monday here on the Ag News Daily Podcast. Delaney Howell flying solo for this Monday afternoon. And, of course, it is a Market Monday, and I'll be chatting with Matt Bennett of agmarket.net later on today. But I've had a busy day out and about working with Iowa pork producers, as I do every year during this time of year, to honor all of those folks that work in Iowa pork production putting together different videos and projects and whatnot to honor some of those folks at the annual Iowa Pork Congress event, which will happen here later this next year, I should say, in January. So it's always great getting out there, working with producers, talking to folks that work in the industry. And uh, chatted with quite a few of them today. It was over near Waterloo, Iowa, which of course had, you know, that recent allegation of plant managers that were making bets on worker safety. Didn't talk about that specifically, but did talk about the impact that COVID had on their operations. And I think it's pretty unanimous that it was a challenge for a lot of folks during those few months when they didn't know exactly where they were going to send their hogs to. So nothing new to report there, I guess. You know, there's nothing that's been something we've been talking about for a while. But really the question I think remains is chewing through all this protein that we've got in the supply chain. Matt Bennett, Matt Bennett and I will talk a little bit more about that later on here in the podcast. But until then, let's talk about a little bit of news on the day. And speaking of COVID, it looks like we've got a little bit of optimism coming from Capitol Hill as lawmakers may potentially reach that bill or reach that deal on that coronavirus bill that we've talked about you know, around $908 billion. We saw a group of 10 senators and five five from each party um, have been leading talks t- to surrounding this stimulus package and are pushing really hard to see this thing pushed through here before the end of the year. If the deal can be finalized, the package would be wrapped together with a massive fiscal 2021 spending bill. So it sounds like folks in Congress are really trying to lump these two things together, get both of them pushed through before we see leadership transitions. And uh, that's kind of a quick little update there. But also on COVID-19 news, we are nearing the week where we'll see FDA approval and release of vaccines. I believe later this week, if not next week, we should see some of those first vaccines hit the pipeline. And ag groups are pushing for vaccine priorities in for industry workers, specifically those folks working in processing and manufacturing plants. They say that we have to keep our food chain and supply system open. And with COVID cases on the rise in many states, vaccinations like these will play a key role in protecting those essential workers, especially those working in the food sector. We'll continue to watch how that gets uh, distributed there. I think there's still a lot of questions that remain about who gets to be first in line for getting these vaccines. But um, ag workers definitely do make sense when you think about it from our food chain perspective. And in other news, let's see, moving right along here, a little bit more protein related news, more specifically U.S. pork related news. We are watching talks here between Canada and the U.K., 
and the U.S. pork sector strongly supports efforts by the U.S. and the U.K. to strike a trade agreement, but only if the British agree to eliminate tariff and non-tariff barriers on U.S. pork. That has been, so far it sounds like, one of the sticking points into getting this deal negotiated and worked through. Those talks do appear to be in a lull right now, and there haven't been a lot of details on progress to the intended U.S.-U.K. free trade negotiation. But uh, National Pork Producers Council says that they're paying close attention to watching these talks because pork has been such a hot topic as of lately. So we'll continue keeping an eye on that deal. But as far as the... As far as other deals are concerned, the details of an agreement between the British and Canadians have recently concluded. And so that's another reason we're watching closely on these trade agreements, because um, Canada is also a very large pork producer, as we know. We've got some Canadian listeners. But it sounds like the UK and Canada are wrapping up trade negotiations that would also be beneficial for Canadian pork, not so much U.S. pork, um, if British, if the British turn to Canada to fill their needs. So uh, we don't really have a ton of details yet on this new found agreement, but they are attempting to finalize a version before the Canadian Parliament adjourns for Christmas Bay Christmas break on December 11th. But the deal would basically allow provisions of the Canada-EU trade pact to apply to the UK after it finalizes its Brexit deal on December 31st, essentially giving Canada duty-free quotas for pork under the Comprehensive Economic and Trade Agreement, which would then carry over to be able to be used between the EU, excuse me, the UK and um the British. So we'll keep an eye on that, see if that will have any sort of market disruptions long-term or not. But speaking of long-term disruptions in the markets, we're obviously still continuing to watch how South American weather is playing into things, into markets more specifically, I should say right now. But it doesn't seem that it's impacted soybean purchases too much as of late. As the U.S. seller continues to weaken, we are seeing China continue to come to the buying stage. For the month of November, we saw China import a record amount of iron ore and soy products. For the first time in six months, China bought about 100 million tons of iron ore. And that pushed record future highs last week in that complex And then in the soybean complex, we also saw purchases rose to a high for the month due to the rebound they're having there with their domestic hog herd, putting a record 100 million tons for the year as well. Or excuse me, putting a record 100 million tons for the year well within reach, according to some latest trade data we saw here on Sunday. Um, We also are continuing to watch demand with crude oil and how that's going to play out here, as well as coal and some of the other energy markets. But really the exciting thing here is that China is continuing to buy soybean purchases. And you might be wondering, why isn't that driving soybean prices higher? Well, as I mentioned there just a little bit ago, Brazilian weather is, Brazilian and Argentine weather is still taking its toll on the markets. 
And I'm teasing this pretty hard today because I think this is a great conversation, especially ahead of this week's later WASD report. But today we really hit some key topics here with Matt Bennett coming right up. But in other Chinese-related news, the dispute, the feud between China and Australia continues to grow larger. China has officially halted beef imports from a company called Miramist Pty, which is an Australian company operating meat packing plants and slaughterhouses. And as of Monday, China officially released this news. But no reason was given as to why they are officially banning imports from this specific plant in Australia. But well, you can probably read between the lines there. We've been seeing threats back and forth between the two countries on uh, import bans between the two countries on certain products. We've seen now China ban um, various Australian products to their markets. Haven't seen wheat be banned officially yet, but now we're seeing beef be banned. And that is somewhat supportive for U.S. markets because China's going to have to go somewhere to get that beef, although that's not quite as big of a protein source for them as pork is. And as they continue to rebuild their hog herd after African swine fever decimated the nation. Germany is continuing to deal with cases. They've now surpassed officially 200 different cases across the country. So far, it sounds like there's about 225 different infection infected areas, infected boars across the nation, and most of those happening in their Brandenburg state. So far, again, None have been confirmed in commercial operations all so far in non-commercial or free-range, you know, wild boar operations. Not operations, free-range or wild boars kind of roaming across the country. Nothing confirmed yet in actual physical commercial operations, but they're continuing to keep a close eye on that and make sure that doesn't spread. But before we chat markets for today, I thought this was interesting. We're going to have to get a little... Uh, interview on this one here soon to really understand how this is going to work. But water is now going to be a futures market that you'll be able to trade on the Chicago Mercantile Exchange. Yep, you heard me right. Water futures are hitting the pipeline. No pun intended. Uh, water will be joining other commodities, of course, like gold, oil, and others that will be traded on Wall Street because it uh, highlights apparently worries that this life-sustaining natural resource may become scarce across more of the world. So starting in January of 2021, this new futures contract will be linked to the California's $1.1 billion spot water market. And the contracts um, are really essentially a first of their kind announced in September and are still being developed, it sounds like here. But yeah, you're going to be able to try trade water futures. This is going to be tried to NASDAQ California Water Futures Index starting January of 2021. That's really all I can tell you about this. I don't fully understand it myself. But the, what I do understand is this really has been driven by the fact that especially out west in parts of the south, we see water becoming a more scarce resource. We're seeing, you know, folks, I remember being down in uh, Texas and Arizona and some other places down there, and I remember farmers saying that they are buying land, not because they want more land, but because they want the rights to access the water from that land or the water rights associated with that piece of land. So sounds like this is going to be an interesting 
legal battle, an interesting futures market, and uh, we will have to get an interview on this really quite soon to fully understand how this new water futures market will work. But in the meantime, let's talk a little bit more about how normal futures markets traded for today. And we will kick things off here in the grain markets. And soybeans really were the only ones that ended lower on the day as the March corn contract closed up three and a half cents to end at 424. The December up just three quarters of a cent to close at 411. In soybeans, the January pulling back four and a half cents to close at 1158 and a half. The March down two and a half to close at 1162 and a half. Chicago wheat higher on the day as the March contract added two pennies to close at 577 and a half. The December up two as well to close at five. 94 and a quarter. In the protein markets, a little bit of a bloodbath here today as we saw some major, not major, we saw a little bit of selling off today as the February live cattle contract closed a dollar 37 and a half cents lower to close at 111.02. The April down a dollar 02 to close at 115.15. January feeders down $1.97 today to close at $137.80. The March down $1.27.5 to close at $138.15. And in lean hogs, February down $1.62, ending the day at $64.95. The April cut $1.60 to close at $68.90. And looking at Class 3 dairy milk futures, the January up 7 today to close at $16.22. Without further ado, let's kick it over to my conversation with Matt Bennett of agmarket.net. Well, for today's hashtag Market Monday conversation, joined today by Matt Bennett of AgMarket.net. Matt, it's been a little while since I've had you on. How you doing? Oh, I'm doing really good. It was an interesting year for sure, but I think most of us in agriculture should feel uh, pretty fortunate, you know, with the way the last couple, three months have panned out as far as prices are concerned, uh, especially given the fact we had a pretty darn good crop to go along with it. Yeah, absolutely. This is definitely a year for the books. Uh, But Matt, we've got a big report coming out, or maybe not a big report coming out later this week. We've, of course, got the monthly WASDE report. Are we expecting any sort of surprises or excitement for this upcoming report? You know, I don't, we're not expecting them. I mean, typically what you see in the month of December is that the USDA will leave uh, production alone, you know, and so obviously we had some big production uh, uh, surprises uh, this last month in November. I mean, just huge corrections uh, uh, based upon not just production, but on exports, you know, where you dropped exports or you dropped carryout significantly due to increased exports and usage. Uh, very interesting in that, you know, for instance, corn uh, carryout was was a 2.75 in August and 1.7 in November. So in a matter of three months, uh, we dropped carryout over 1 billion bushels. And uh, with soybeans, uh, you know, we're over 600 or so, uh, you know, uh, back in the month of August. And then you you fast forward to 190. Uh, yeah, and so bottom line is, you know, uh, significantly tighter situations than what we had thought. Um, what are we going to do in December? You know, probably not going to have near the adjustments, but I do think that there's the possibility we could see some adjustments, at least on the demand side of the equation. 
Yeah, I want to talk a little bit more about demand, Matt, especially when you look at the soybean markets. We've continued to see China and Mexico and other countries stepping in to buy product, but we, you know, touched $12 there briefly, and then we've really pulled back 20, 30, 40 cents across futures in soybeans. What's it going to take for us to turn things around, or is that the only rally we should be expecting for this year? Is demand not going to be enough? Yeah, I mean, you know, essentially what we saw the last couple, three weeks is that we're not getting those uh, export sales come across the morning wire, especially on soybeans. We've gotten a few on corn, uh, but the soybean sales have dried up a bit as we've pushed higher in price. You know, and so the big question is, uh, where are those sales going or are we going to continue to get sales in the future? I mean, uh, as far as the export sales report, this is like the third, fourth week in a row uh, this past week that we actually saw a marketing year low. And so, uh, you know, I think that moving forward, uh, there's no doubt you you could have the tendency to see better export sales than what we've seen recently. I think there's a large question mark as to when South American beans will be available for export. Uh, obviously, they've had some weather issues at times. Part of the country is extremely dry, uh, you know, whereas they've gotten some rain this week. And I think that's part of the reason that you started the week out on a little bit of a negative tone uh, early in the morning uh, trade. And then, you know, later on in the day, we actually saw a little bit of a reversal and uh, uh, corn ended up settling higher, whereas beans were settling mixed. But uh, bottom line, there's a lot of angst. You know, what's this weather going to do? Because that's where your exports are going to come from is if the U.S. continues to have uh, – basically the only game in town mentality, uh, you know, a little bit longer. If it's uh, past uh, mid to late February, like some people, uh, you know, have suggested, then there's no question with our cheap dollar, our, our products are going to be very competitive on the world market. And if people have to come to us, I don't think it's going to be the end of the world for those buyers. Yeah, Matt, I'm glad you brought up South America because we've been seeing, of course, weather patterns, weather forecasts being released of Brazil and Argentina getting some more than timely rains, but still seeing some mixed reviews about whether or not this rain that they've been seeing is enough to make or break this crop. What are you hearing from your end? Yeah, I mean, uh, you yeah, know, so w- w- with the guys that I work with at Ag Market, we do a weekly webinar, and we actually had Eric Snodgrass on our webinar just, I don't know, we recorded about an hour ago. And so, you know, essentially he was showing us the moisture deficits that they're seeing, you know, in Montegrosso, Montegrosso of the Soul. Uh, there's certainly areas of the country that are seeing deficits, you know, of six to eight inches uh, since the growing season has started. And so uh, no question about it. Um, there's some areas that need a lot of rain uh, to remedy the situation. I think what most forecasters are currently talking about is maybe some, uh, you know, good rainfall here uh, this week, uh, maybe in the week to 10 day forecast. But then after that, uh, you know, you're looking at uh, dry conditions uh, starting once again. So um, bottom line for me is that uh, I've got to think that moving forward, uh, you know, you're going to have to have a better weather forecast than what we're currently seeing. Matt, let's transition things over here and talk a little bit more about the corn markets. They also saw some good rallies here so far, and now we've been seeming to kind of hover right around this 425, 430 number in the March contract. Are you intending us to, or do you anticipate that we'll just chop sideways here? Do you think the market's going to break out to one side or the other? 
Yeah, that's a really good question. I think for the time being, the market seems to be content. Uh, would you, when you get close to the end of the year, a lot of times there's some position evening going on and maybe a little bit more of a lackadaisical quiet tone uh, to the market. But at the same time, I'm looking over at the cash market and basis has been awfully strong in parts of the Midwest. A lot of these elevator systems didn't get full. You know, and then you see the export market off and on has really gotten hot. Uh, not only have posted bids been impressive, but some of the overs that people are pushing uh, just to go out and try to secure the grain is interesting to me. And so I guess moving forward, I've got to think that cash grain is going to stay uh, pretty darn strong. Uh, solid. Does that mean that the uh, board is going to end up rallying? I mean, a lot of times what you see whenever basis is really strong, uh, you end up seeing the board rally some more yet. You know, are we going to make new highs and get above that 440 area? Yeah, it's a tough call. Uh, but at this stage of the game, uh, my personal opinion is that at some point in here, I think we've got a real shot to push up into that 450 and maybe even above area, uh, given the fact that that 1.7 carry the USDA forecasted in November, I, I actually happen to think that uh, that's going to get trimmed a little bit further. Uh, not only could we see production trimmed a little bit more, I also think that, uh, you know, you could see uh, maybe a little bit more exports than what we're currently forecasting because the USDA and the FAS haven't exactly agreed on what they think China is going to import. And so I think there's a lot of different ideas out there, but with all the corn they've put out on their government auctions and been able to sell this calendar year, I've got to think that they're going to end up wanting to import more corn than what's currently on the books. Yeah, you mentioned the 450-ish number there, and I know you hate to put a time frame on it, but when could we anticipate to see that? I mean, are we talking next summer? Are we talking here within the next few months? Yeah, that's a really good question. And so the way I'm going to answer it's this, you know, if, if South America goes into the Suprina crop dry, it's going to be really hard to be able to, uh, you know, abate the moisture deficits that they've got. You know, if you would start to trim the South American, uh, the Brazilian total corn crop, uh, I would happen to think you could definitely see this market really get interesting. I think that what, what the market's going to feel that is going to be necessary, uh, you know, is to buy some acres. And so we may actually get in a good old fashioned acreage battle like we haven't seen in quite some time. And so whatever, uh, whenever you've got no 21 beans trading, you know, at 1044, I've got to think that December uh, 21 corn trading at 411 might be uh, a touch light. And so I think that if you get uh, this corn market a little bit excited, whether it's on the front end or the back end, I've got to think that that rising tide is going to lift all ships. So uh, if I was going to be guessing, I would say in the next two to three months, we're going to know a heck of a lot more about this corn situation. Now, with that being said, you know, if we continue to look at a shrinking, uh, carry out situation, then, you know, there's no question you could carry some excitement uh, into the U.S. growing season. And God forbid we have weather issues uh, this summer because I think it could get really exciting at that point. Yeah, I agree. And it's crazy to think that we're already talking about acreage numbers here, uh, not even at the end of the year yet. But Matt, let's talk a little bit more about the protein markets. Uh, what's going on in live cattle? It seems like they can't really find their footing. Yeah, I mean, the live cattle market's kind of fluctuated between that 110, for instance, in February, 110 up to about 116. We've seen some days where we're trending back towards the lower end of the range like we did here to start the week. 
kind of a rough day to start the week. And then uh, at times we're able to drift back towards the upper end of the range. I've got to think though, moving forward, uh, whenever I look out here farther on out, uh, you know, and I get into that, uh, oh, I don't know, the August uh, timeframe, October timeframe, as far as live cattle concerned, you finally start to build a little carry back in there towards the fall. And I would agree with the market that you're probably going to see a little better values in the third and fourth quarter. I mean, we have a lot of supply to kind of chew through here in the first couple of quarters. Demand's been pretty darn good. Don't don't fool yourself there. I think that a lot of folks uh, continue to show the propensity to buy a lot of beef if they're eating at home. I mean, one way I would describe it is, you know, if uh, you know, if my wife and I are going to go out for a steak dinner, uh, we're going to spend a pretty decent amount of money, and we don't mind doing that, you know, on a Friday night if we go to a steakhouse. But we could probably buy uh, four or five steaks for the same price, you know, as what we do going out and cook those at home. And I think a lot of folks have shown, hey, you know what, we're going to continue to buy beef. In fact, we're going to buy more than what we were before. And I think that's part of the reason demand has been so strong. So when you chew through these big supplies first half of the year, uh, I think you could see some pretty exciting markets on down the road. Matt, is it the same story in the lean hog market, chewing through, need to chew through some meat, or is there something different going on there? Yeah, I think with lean hogs, I'd certainly like to see, uh, you know, a fair amount of export demand here. Uh, stay stay constant, if you will. I mean, we, what we've seen in the hog market forever is this huge carry, uh, people looking for better days ahead. You know, right now, whenever you look, for instance, uh, uh, February cattle at 65 bucks, you just get out only to July and you're over $80. I mean, that's a healthy carry in the market. Uh, I would like to see your front months maybe get a little more support in here. Obviously, we've got a fair amount of supply to chew through on the hogs as well. Uh, we just need to see regular uh, big exports. And if we do, I think you could see a little bit of strength here in this hog market. Fantastic. Matt, before I let you go, if folks want to chat markets with you or want some more information on agmarket.net, how can they do that? Yeah, just head to agmarket.net. It's as easy as that. Uh, we have a really good website, a lot of good research and tools, technology, uh, as well as all the contact info to get a hold of me or any of my partners. So we've got a pretty darn good team put together. Uh, and I think that, you know, whatever the producers' needs are, I think we can accommodate them. Fantastic. Well, hey, Matt, thanks again for chatting markets today. Well, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Well, again, a big thank you there to Matt. You can find him on Twitter at Chief321, I believe, and also, of course, at agmarket.net or find them online if you've got questions, want to chat markets a little more in depth with them. But in the meantime, if you want to chat with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, you can find us at Ag News Daily. With that, I'm going to let the people go.